Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. We all know that bodies change over our lifetimes. So when do we finally get to that phase of life where we get it right and have a healthy body image? On today's episode, I'm taking a look at how the different phases of life we go through affect our body image. I've got the Council of Moms here, and we're going to dig into a few specific phases of life. Pregnancy, being done having children, menopause, and how that affects our body image and how to be empowered at any stage. A lot of this means looking at the expectations on women, subtle or not so subtle, for how we're supposed to navigate these changes and transitions. But first, let me take you back. When I came to do radio for the very first time, The Lisa Show was a daily talk show, mostly live. It was really fast-paced and daily and very early. And one day after a live interview, you know, where a lot is coming at you, I was called into a meeting and my supervisor had feedback. I had casually mentioned my age on air. And they said, well, you can't do that because it makes you less appealing. You need to sort of appear ageless. And I laughed because I really did think it was a joke because who cares? I have certainly been met with this attitude before doing print work or TV or movies, but no one can see me. This is the radio. Appearance isn't part of my job and aging shouldn't matter, except this is how my success was being defined and the longevity of my career. Was the image that my listeners imagined youthful enough? And now that I've taken away that illusion that they might have had, have I lost listeners? I hadn't thought of it that way before. And now I had to think of all of this experience that I have of raising kids, having different careers, a varied education, and edit it in my head so as not to reveal my age, to be Become ageless because if I don't, it will be detrimental to my audience. I mean, my experience isn't a benefit. And so it was a really mixed message. You know, have the experience, the education, the perspective, the talent, the practice, but don't let anyone know that time has passed. But just, you know, a note to keep in mind an industry standard, nothing personal. I didn't know it was an industry standard that I wasn't familiar with in this new career. Now, that experience may have influenced why I've taken the show this direction. Aging is a part of me. I can't stop it. No one can, despite the promises that you hear all of the time from ads. I mean, it does change the way I look while it changes the way I think and react. And all the messaging which says, hide your changes, stay the same. I want to talk about it. Women experience this at a lot of different phases in their life. Whether it's aging, pregnancy, menopause, society has given us little boxes for where and how and how much we can talk about this stuff. And we're supposed to get through it all without changing. So naturally, I called the Council of Moms and we're always like to get a variety of perspectives and different stages of mothering with this council. But this episode was a little tricky to assemble because not only did we want different perspectives, but we needed to get different phases of life too. But we did it. Today, we have Katie Craig, longtime friend of mine through many different phases of life, who is also a midwife. 
I'm Katie Craig. I'm a mother of eight, some married, some single, some in middle school, and some a nine-year-old who's still just keeping me young and real. Suzanne, who has been through menopause. I'm Suzanne Clark. I have four adult children, age 22 to 30, and I'm a recent college graduate, and I'm just trying to navigate my own life now that I helped frame theirs. And Natalie, who still has young kids. I'm Natalie Madsen. I am a mother of three. They are 10, 8, and 5. And my five-year-old just started all-day preschool. It's interesting. An interesting phase. Now, when I asked this council of moms to come in, I told them that we were going to be talking about body image and different phases of life, and they came ready. But they didn't know each other, and I didn't give them any more prompting. So it was really interesting that pregnancy came up right away when I asked, how have you felt about your body at different times in your life? But we did not have similar experiences. So Ken is going through stuff, through boxes and and some of our old things. And Your husband. My husband, Ken. And um, he just found a card from you, Lisa, from when I was very first pregnant with our first child. No way. So this Aww. was, what, 25 years ago? And um, you sent this beautiful card about, oh, Dover and I are so excited. Your, your baby's going to love Auntie Lisa and Uncle Dover. And it, the best was like, you said, now you don't have to suck it in for a whole 10 months. Did I say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so funny. It was... Hey, that's true, though. Right? One, like, maybe the only perk of pregnancy. <laughs> but also indicative of, like, why did I think you had a suck in at all? <laughs> oh, I think you were just trying to be funny. I thought it was hilarious. Okay, yeah. and, and that is something that I, like, I loved being pregnant. I I loved, loved everything about it. I felt, like, voluptuous. I had boobs. I felt, mm. like... Beautiful. I loved being pregnant. And I know that's not the same for every yeah, woman. right. But that was something that I really loved seeing, like, the capacity of my body change in, like, these new and crazy and amazing ways. Like, I felt like a superhero. Wow. I wish I felt that way. I hated being pregnant. <laughs> I'll do another perspective. I was really sick all the time. Mm. And I also, I just didn't love the feeling of, like, my body wasn't my own. Mm. That was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously after you have your first, my first pregnancy was definitely the hardest in that regard. I think by the time I was pregnant with my third, I kind of had a better understanding of like, this is amazing and things kind of go back after and you kind of get your body back after at least as far as like, it's just mine. Mm -hmm. I'm not sharing it with somebody else, Mm -hmm. but that was a really hard transition for me to feel like I, my body wasn't my own. I didn't have as much controls the wrong word, but like, you know, autonomy, Mm -hmm. I guess. I Mm -hmm. guess I like to be a little bit more independent. So that was really hard for me. Like I remember even, so my youngest is five and probably about three years ago, it was this time of like, we knew we were done having kids, but if we were to have another one, this would probably be the time. And I went through like a solid six months of this weird body time where I felt almost guilty that I wasn't using my body again. If that makes sense. I was in the cycle of like every two years I was going to be pregnant and I'm stopping the pregnancy cycle. And it was a weird kind of mental game to go through of like, it's okay. We feel like we're done and it's okay to just have my body be my own body. All of pregnancy and my body I had a very, it was mentally really tough for me, Mm. for sure. 
I think that transition from like childbearing to not childbearing yeah. is is common, right? Mm. Even like the emotions might be different around it, but like that that okay, I'm moving from this phase where that's what I do right. into this phase where I don't do that. Yeah, and how and you this, view your body. And it's and a whole different of thing. Of like your body's purpose. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm not using it And it affects anymore how you see it. To make another person. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, that is was that hard okay? for me. I actually is that mourned like, that. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like this strange, like, is it okay that I just use my body to like live my own life? I'm a little older than all of you, and I came from a generation where I don't think we talked about how we felt. And I didn't even know, I'm really impressed that you had, you know, the sense to think how you felt about it. I don't think I even knew that I could have an opinion about what was happening to my body. We just had children, and and that was the way it went, and I just did it and I didn't think that I could I could have an opinion about how it was going for me personally or what I look like or what I felt like but looking back I feel empowered by all of the things I did and I on the other hand rather than how Katie mourned it when I was done having kids I was really relieved that I was done having kids This was so personal, this wide range of pregnancy experiences, which were very different. It's a reminder that there's no right way to feel. Katie felt powerful from the beginning. Natalie found empowerment in letting go of guilt as she transitioned out of childbearing. Suzanne recognizes that her generation didn't have as much permission to be present in the experience of their own bodies, and she gives herself credit for her own strength. I relate to everyone a little bit, which further proves we all have our own individual experiences. I was very uncomfortable being pregnant. I didn't thrive. I mean, people didn't comment on how glowing or happy I looked. They constantly told me how uncomfortable and puffy I looked. I got a lot of, oh, you look really uncomfortable. Are you okay? And your face has changed. Like, your your nose. They were very confused. I was not. <laughs> I retained a lot of water. I gained a lot of weight. I knew exactly what had happened, but I didn't feel like I needed to explain it every time someone saw me. I mean, it was really exhausting, both growing a human and filtering my response to people with pained faces when they said, oh, how are you? Yes, we get it, Linda. I look uncomfortable. I'm fine. The baby's healthy. I'm clearly very pregnant and wearing my husband's shoes because mine don't fit anymore, but let's move on. This is a side effect of pregnancy that doesn't get a lot of attention and does a lot more with the societal expectation about women and change. We expect women to look pregnant in a narrow definition, just like they do normally, but with a perfectly round basketball-sized belly. That's it. I didn't know that this was the expectation until I didn't fit the mold and people felt so comfortable making comments about my body. Katie noticed this phenomenon too. Pregnancy is a weird time where it seems very public. People yeah. seem like to feel at liberty to make comments about your body for whatever reason. 
but they do. Like I had really big babies and I am small. I'm short and I'm, and I'm slight. And I would have like these really big, like 10 pound babies in me. Right. And people would be like, you look like you're about ready to pop. Or like, they'd be, they'd always be like, are you having twins? And like, I would get like jaw drops, like walking into a thing. And I just like, was like, yep, I'm a freak show. It's just one baby in here. Not that it's any of your business, but so interesting. it is, it is interesting to come across this. Like, I'm not sure why it's okay to talk about this now. We wouldn't normally be talking about this. You and me, you a total stranger and me. Like, why is this okay now? It reminds me of the chapter in More Than a Body that talks about like how to um, health and fitness and how to kind of reconcile that and use it not in a body image way, but in a health way. Mm -hmm. Because I do like pregnancy is a good example. A healthy pregnancy can look different on every body. Mm Like my first pregnancy, I gained so much weight. I gained 80 pounds. I didn't have ankles. It's kind of like, like I gained a lot of weight. I, it was a high-risk pregnancy, not because of the weight gain, just because of the, the situation with him and how he was growing. And you know what? He got here healthy. My next pregnancy, I gained 40 pounds. I gained half as much. And she was a bigger baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. every body is different. Every pregnancy is different. And so... To say, I remember when I was pregnant and the doctor saying, well, you really, you're supposed to gain about 40 pounds. That's the healthy amount. And I remember just thinking, how can that be true for everyone? You know, like, it's like, it's like how the BMI can be damaging. We're like, it doesn't take other factors into account. Healthy and strong can look different on every body. It's not always going to look the same. And so that does make me sad that at least with pregnancy, it's super common for people to say, yeah, like I would, I would definitely get the comment. You look like you're about to pop. And I had three months left. It's so depressing. It's like oh I know my gosh. midwives. I know midwives who don't weigh. Yeah, who I don't can, I don't can weigh. See why that's useful. The mothers when they come in, if that's something the mothers want, that's great. But it's but they see it as an intervention, and it has consequences. And so, if that's something that's going to affect you negatively, then we don't have to do it. It's a little discouraging to see this theme of weight coming up again. You know, weight being a metric that's used too much and too often to represent health. And here it is again. And not just for pregnancy. It comes up with menopause, too. Suzanne described this, and it sparked a whole conversation about the education we get, or don't get, really, about what to expect in these transitions. Now we're in a stage of life where we do talk about a lot of things a lot more than we used to. And so when I went through menopause and gained some weight, and I saw that the scale number was similar to that of when I was fully pregnant at age 21, and now I was 50 at that, and I just had this mindset of like, that weight is not okay. That's what I was mm-hmm. fully pregnant. How can, how can I be that now? And I'm also a slight person, a short person, a little person, so it really wasn't a weight that was problematic or looked in any way unhealthy. And yet I had this mental state of like, that's not okay seeing that number um, that equated with uh, pregnancy to me. So I think just being in an age where like we talk about it all the time and we're aware and that looks are important and and valued, maybe the whole social media negative connotation, but I really felt like... <gasps> that's not okay. You know, I need to go on a diet or change. Yeah, what did you do actually though? I think I did become more mindful of, of the things that I was eating and my life choices. I actually, again, even though I'm a smaller person, I did have high cholesterol at my last physical. And so I thought, okay, 
It's, this is maybe time where I do need to take my body seriously and I do need to maybe make some changes where I just stop eating whatever I want. And, and I became a little more mindful about uh, what I did and what I ate. And I did start an exercise class and not, not in an unhealthy way of losing the weight so that I looked fantastic or saw a number that I was happy with, but just in a way that made me feel good about me. That's so interesting because I um, I'm in a different phase of life. I am 33, so I'm not quite perimenopause yet or menopause yet. But I had the experience a, f- a couple years ago to write an ad for some menopause products, and I learned more about what's going to happen to my body. <laughs> Is that good or bad? Preparing for that ad sorry, than yeah. I had learned in my entire life. Like no one, well, you don't learn it like in school. No one said like, oh, P.S., you're going to go through a second puberty and it's going to last years and weight gains normal and all the, you know, all this stuff. I think it's really interesting as women, we're not as educated about our body either. Like, like to your point, I feel like just recently we're starting to kind of talk through this and being like, hey, heads up, this is happening to half of the world. <laughs> At a certain age, you're going to go through more than half. Right. So it's just like, it, anyway, that's fascinating to me because I, I really did learn more researching for work on a menopause product. <laughs> What shocked I, you? Um, just that it can last a long time or like perimenopause like can years. start. Yeah. Or yeah. like perimenopause can start as early as like 36, 37, which is just a few years away for me. Um, it's important to get like hormones checked. Um, weight gain super common. It doesn't, you know, like metabolism stuff is good to be aware of. It's good to eat well and like nur- and just know that like you're going to kind of be on a roller coaster for a few years and it's completely normal. And I mean, the other thing I learned is that really the only way that medicine has said like, here, we'll deal with it with hormone therapy, which is like so extreme. And anyway. Extreme and dangerous. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad that it's changing, but it is so interesting that like, even as women, I don't know, we're not always prepared as well as I think hopefully future women are for our different phases of life. I remember even, because I I have the younger kids of the group and it's been a while since I've been breastfeeding, but my journey with breastfeeding was so, it kind of rocked my world. I just didn't realize how much time it took or you know, how much learning curve there was. It was so stressful to know if he was getting enough or not getting enough, am I making enough? Um, and it's something that I wish was talked about more before I had a baby. You know, I, I was just said like, yeah, I, I hope to breastfeed him. And that was literally all I thought about it. Because <laughs> I just like, yeah, I'm assuming it happens naturally. I don't know. But it's you have to be very deliberate and you have to have, you know, there's there's people to help you along the way. But it is a journey, right? There's good days and bad days, like all things. So I think it's really interesting with young kids, especially, I feel like we're getting more and more prepared for that and knowing what's going to happen. But at the same time, it's just such a life-changing event to have a child and to especially have young children that, I don't know, I think it's something that I'm grateful for people that have been able to help me through that kind of phase of life, for sure. been so interesting to see that connection with my body and like we're talking about earlier it's usefulness if that makes sense because now I'm in a phase where I'm not I'm not getting pregnant I'm not nursing even my kids they're out of diapers you know there's there's things that I'm not physically as needed by my kids anymore I'm still of course emotionally needed and I'm raising them all this stuff but my the relationship with my physical body and how it's serving my family is completely different than it was a few years ago 
This kind of conversation highlights the way how we as women are surrounded by change. It's constant. Our lives change, our families change, and our bodies change. Thank goodness our bodies change. We need them to. The conversation about body image and aging tends to be really negative. Take two steps into a pharmacy and be inundated with anti-aging, youth-enhancing, damage-reversing products. Talking to other women, I feel this growing gratitude for a body that changes for me, to empower me, to support me, and help me cope with the different stages of my life, which no retinol cream can turn back the years on. We talked a little bit about this dichotomy between society's view of aging women and how it actually feels to be one. I think that culturally we tend to idealize the time when our bodies were in their 20s, early 20s, right? Like that's the ideal. That's what that's what people think even when we say things like bounce back or, you right. know, get my body back. We're thinking somehow we can go back in time, which is insulting to our body. That's and impossible. <laughs> and impossible to our body that's done this amazing thing, right? Like our breasts aren't actually mature until actually we've had a baby and we've nursed a baby. Like they, they change. They look different. And that's not like an accident. It's not an accidental side effect. It's it's our bodies maturing. And then, and like now, now we have an adult body, you know, that we didn't have before. And yet we like culturally seem to long for this earlier phase instead of like you're saying, embracing the experience and the wisdom and the hard won lessons that we have as we get older. Um, I've even found with like holding grandkids now, I'm like, my arms are not as strong as they were when I was holding (laughs) babies all the time, right? It takes so much upper body strength to always be picking up and putting down babies. And so like, as my husband and I are getting older than he's like started, he goes and works out in the morning, like lifting weights with our son and son-in-law because he's like, I want to be a healthy grandpa. I want to be like, be able to be strong. And I'm thinking the same thing. Like I want to be a healthy grandma. I want to have like good bone density and all those things, right? Because I have all these years that that I'm going to be active and doing and so many more things coming in my life. I may be an anomaly, but I love my older body. I feel like my body's mine. I feel like um, I'm in a good space with it. And when I look back at that 20 year old, I think I look ridiculous. Maybe it was the big bangs, the bear claw. But I feel so much more confident and so happy with where I'm at and what I'm able to do and what I know and feel responsible to help my sons and daughters feel the same way about about their bodies and what they can do. Um, I have a daughter who's going through infertility, and I recently offered and said, I'll, I'll carry your baby. I'll, I'll do it. And I had lots of different feelings about whether or not that was okay for me to do or not. You know, I, I'm quite capable. It's, it's nine months. I'm happy to do it for you. Yes. And that's probably not going to happen just for the record. But, <laughs> you know, something that I just feel, like I said, really confident about where I'm at in life right now, and it's, it feels great. I love what Suzanne has to say, and I think it's really wise. This kind of confidence and self-love as we are at our age, in the body that changes with us, this is what we're going for. So at this point in the conversation, I wanted to know what other people do on a bad body image day, when this confidence isn't so present, or something happens that just throws you out of your groove. How do you get back to this dynamic body love? 
Can I share a really random thought that I had? Always. So random. But you know, have you ever seen a motorcycle guy and he sees another motorcycle guy and they give the little wave to each other oh, yeah. as they pass? Yeah, so cool. The motorcycle yeah. code. Why don't we have that in everyday life? Like, oh, you're going through menopause? I'm going through menopause. Hey. High five. Yeah. I see you. High I, five. See, I you. see you. <laughs> yeah. It could be in so many places in life. You're buying bread at Walmart? Me too. How's it going? Uh-huh. I just feel like those motorcycle guys are on to something of just a connection of I see you and you're there. And I feel like there's so many areas in life where we could just say, hey, how's it going? I, I see that you're there. I'm there too. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could talk about it and share our experiences and what helps me and what helps you. Let's let's have that discussion. So I love that idea. Oh, that's not of, random at all. I, no. I, I really, really respond to that. With others. I, I want that. I've had moments like that that have gotten me through, especially with people in different phases of life. Like I'm at the grocery store. I have a newborn with me. I have a screaming toddler. Mm -hmm. There's a mom there with no kids, but she's a mom. And she's like, oh, let me help you with that. Or let me, you know, like I see you, you know, kind of like a nod. And it's just the biggest deal to those kind of people in that phase of life. And so I think that's part of the power of talking about different phases of life is that, you know, if you're in the trenches over here, you see somebody who's been through it and you're like, oh, okay, she did it. I can do it. You know what I mean? That yeah. kind of mentorship has been really important. And just important. to clarify then, my impulse to hold strangers' babies is good. Is that what you're <laughs> Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. Like, impulse is good. <laughs> okay, good. I Acting on impulse. it is a different story. Okay. <laughs> Noted. The last thing that I want to share with you from this conversation is something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. We talk about the link between our physical bodies and spirituality. I was curious how they felt. Is there a link? As I think back, there's a certain amount of awareness and sensitivity that has absolutely become more clear as I've passed through some of these phases. This is an aspect of my body that gets better as I age, and that's my intuition or spirituality. These women had some really cool perspectives on it. I'm in midwifery school and we talk a lot about um, intuition and being able to acknowledge and hear it and and feel it. And we talk about things like, where do I feel fear, right? Because you have to be able to distinguish between fear and intuition. You know, is this, is this a feeling that I'm having that something is wrong or am I just feeling fearful? And so even exercises like that of like, okay, where do I feel this emotion in my body? Using that as like a signal, using that as like something that I can like learn or like read. I think spirituality and physicality are super linked. Um, I do feel like if there's times in my life when I haven't really been taking care of my physical body as well, I definitely feel like I'm spiritually more disconnected. And it did just make me think of something, this kind of new practice I've been trying for a couple months um, that my friend Whitney taught me. And it's basically just called two-way prayer. And it's where you feel really linked physically and spiritually. Part of the process is before you start, you do like some tapping or some like trying to get yourself physically aware of your surroundings and your body, if that makes sense. Like you ground your hands into your knees or like that's like step one before you can even Hmm. like get your spirit kind of 
in a communication mode is getting connected to your body. And then basically you write down, um, you have an open notebook and you write down a question on one side and you write down anything that comes. And so I think that the act of physically writing, of physically touching, using your body to also pray and feel more spiritually connected to like a higher power. It's, it's been a really interesting practice for me and I've really loved it. And it's definitely brought in my body as part of, you know, communing or, you know, connecting with a higher power. It's been awesome for me. I've loved it. And what a great way to like connect your, you know, you're in a different phase. You're saying, uh, my kids need something different. What does it do? Right. And what a great way to actually do something about it. Yeah. And to just like, to write down, the best thing I've learned is that when you're writing the response to not judge anything that comes to your mind, just write it, just physically write it all. And it's helped me just mentally, physically, spiritually. My health has been super connected. It's been great. With the start of the new year and, of course, resolutions, I was determined, of course, to increase my spirituality and do all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And I've done a pretty good job of being diligent at increasing my spiritual goals and my daily actions in that regard. And I've found that as I increase spiritually, my body is so much more capable of doing the things I want it to do. I can literally stop scrolling on Instagram and get out of bed and go for a walk with my dog. I can get through my day so much more smoothly and I'm better able to handle whatever comes my way physically when I am increasing that well of spirituality in my life that my body is so much more capable of managing life when I'm building both of those areas. Increasing the well of spirituality in my life. That's such a beautiful analogy. You know, it's unfortunate, but true that the world we live in is constantly asking us to be physically smaller. We've talked about this, and it's not limited to physical space. There's pressure to be non-confrontational, unemotional, quiet, to take up less space in conversations. Always this message of being less. And that's actually contrary to the way our bodies are designed to grow, evolve, take up the space that they need, that we need. A well is a resource, and it's better for being deeper. And as my life changes, as I get older, I need that well every day. I need to be connected to that part of me, which is divine. We can do this. We can start these conversations that honor the changes, the progress, the evolution of us as we go through these phases. That kind of messaging doesn't exist yet really in our world, but we're changing that every time we give a little wave or acknowledgement to someone in that change, that we see them, that that motorcycle friend at a stoplight kind of nod in real life. Whatever changes or growth or evolution you're going going through, consider this my head nod to you. I'm Lisa Valentine Clark. I'm 48 years old, and on this show, all hot takes and hot flashes are welcome. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. It's hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by Becca Hurley, McKay Menden, and Michael Combs, with music and post production by Josh Fouts and Sam Clausen. We've already started working on our next season of The Lisa Show. Make sure to reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what topics you want to hear us cover next. Hold up. 